Yeah, if you have not been a part of the Alpha Marriage Course in the past, I really highly, highly recommend it to you. If you've been a part of it in the past, it's worth taking it again. Um, If you choose to come on January the 17th, it's a Wednesday night at 7 p.m., you're not acknowledging that your marriage is held by a thread or something like that. It just means that you're, just like many of us in January, go to the gym to make an investment in our health and well-being. Um, you're making an investment in one of the most important human relationships you'll ever, ever develop. So we'd love to have you come and be a part of Alpha Marriage. It is fantastic. I've been through it a couple of times myself and uh, really highly recommend it to you. As well, we have Freedom Session, which begins on Wednesday, January 17th as well, which is an opportunity for you to make progress around some of those things that might be hard for you to kind of move forward through. Uh, Book of Hebrews talks about how there is a sin that so easily entangles, and it's easy for us to get caught up in patterns of living and behaving that are sometimes difficult and challenging to break. So... um, This is the human condition, even for those of us who are wanting to follow Jesus closely. Sometimes there's just habits and struggles and challenges that are difficult. So uh, you're among friends today who acknowledge that there is a a progressive experience of freedom that we all want to have. And so you can learn more on our website at kingstreet.org and also uh, register for Freedom Session. Starts again on Wednesday, January the 17th. I hope you received a cup on the way in um, for communion. Those of you who are online, I want to encourage you to help yourself to a cup, a drink, a beverage of your choice, and a cracker or a cookie of some sort. Uh, we're going to eat and drink and celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. We just thought it was so appropriate on this very last day of 2023 to do that together. And we're going to do it during the middle of the scripture talk, so you never know when this is about to happen, so you want to be ready. So if you don't have a cup yet, I want to encourage you to go back and get one as soon as you can, and those who are, again, watching online to uh, kind of prepare yourself for that, um, probably right about now would be a great time to do it. As well, those of you who are uh, in the room as opposed to online, you received a little stone on the way in. I hope you have that with you. You are not to throw it all at once at me, because that would be problematic. Um, But we will do something with that before our gathering is over. And uh, this is one of those standalone scripture talks. It's the last day, again, of this year. Uh, And anytime we get to the end of a calendar year, it's always a little bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? It's like you look back over the year that was with um, hopefully a measure of healthy gratitude around all the ways God has been good and kind and generous and faithful. And then there's some experiences that are deeply painful, maybe some regrettable moments along the way, some wounds that we've accumulated. And so it can be a, it can be a mixed bag as we head towards the exit of the year that has been. And uh, so on this day, it just happens to be in God's good providence that we get to celebrate on this Sabbath day, the very last day. So we're looking back in order to move forward. Because in a number of hours, we will be moving forward into a new calendar year. And there is great symbolic significance in that for us. Just curious today, how many of you will be staying up to midnight tonight to just sort of welcome in the new year? Okay, I don't have my glasses on, but it looks like probably maybe a half or more of you will be. I'm not numbered among you. I will be sleeping. And um, I usually wake up in the morning and say, oh, yeah, it's 2024. It's a new year has come. But it's a, it's a good day, isn't it, for us? Thanks be to God we're alive. We're in the land of the living, right? God has, in his good providence, permitted us to see 2023 come to its almost completion, 
And so uh, there's lots for us to give thanks for, and there are some um, experiences of the past that we do need to process. Um, so like from a 30,000-foot view of the ground we're going to cover over the next, say, 25 minutes or so, um, is this idea of remembering. And these are not the sort of um, teaching points for this morning, but it's just a real kind of a, a broad-based covering of the themes we'll take a look at. But this idea of remembering, biblical remembering, um, leads us to, and these are all R's, Anytime something is inspired, it always begins with the same letter. Uh, We remember, and when we remember, we end up rejoicing. Sometimes we end up repenting. And then we also end up hopefully releasing. And then when we get to the um, culmination of all those experiences, we renew. And this is what we will do this morning. We will renew our commitment to uh, consecrate ourselves to follow the one true God. Uh, even more closely in 2024. And uh, so that's kind of where we're going to go over the next few minutes as it relates to this invitation for us to look back in order to look forward. And uh, the word remember shows up 250 times in Older and New Testaments. It's a big theme in Scripture. One of the big challenges with remembering is that we are invited to recall Humans have this capacity to go somewhere with our imagination, both in the future and to remember past events, sometimes with vivid clarity. And at other times, the things we want to remember so badly, we just can't recall for some reason. Um, But remembering is very, very important. One of the challenges for us is to know what to remember, right, and what to forget. Uh, Humans aren't really good at forgetting. Sometimes we hold on to and we rehearse and we ruminate and we bring things with us that should be or could be perhaps better for us if they were left behind. And so there's more art than science involved in this beautiful invitation for us to practice remembering, biblical remembrance. And as I mentioned a few moments ago, we're going to remember what Jesus did for us in just a few moments when we celebrate communion together. Um, But here's the Apostle Paul. Um, I'd be curious to know what he would right to the church in 2023. Um, He uses all sorts of metaphors in his letters to the early Christians, but in 2023, I wonder if he would um, kind of invite us to consider the metaphor of there's a reason why the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield, right? We're intended to look back, but not to the degree to which we're intended to lean forward and look at what's coming next. Life moves in one direction, right? Windshield, it's bigger than rearview mirror, but it doesn't mean we don't have moments when we look back. I think if we fail to look back and learn the lessons from the past, or we fail to process what occurred in our yesteryear, um, those same movements or whatever it may have been that crept into our own spirit and soul may have unnecessary power over us, An unprocessed past can be very problematic as we consider the future. So we look back in order to go forward. We don't look back and get stuck in the past. But we do want to pay attention, just like we would a rearview mirror, know what's behind us, but we're moving forward. How's that sound? That's where we're headed this morning. Okay, so the passage that we've already looked at together, 
um, or at least it's been read by Pastor Ken a few moments ago. I want to read it again with you. If you're able, would you stand with me? And we're going to recite this together. I like to do this at least once during our gathering. Do you like to read Scripture aloud? Those of you, this is your church home. I, I hope you do. I, I like to do it. And I think there's something powerful about speaking out God's Word. So uh, let's take a look at our passage, Philippians 3. And I'll make a comment or two, and then we'll read a little bit further on. So if you can remain standing, uh, even when I make a few comments. All right, here we go. Let's read this together. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We'll pause there for just a moment. If you would remain standing for just a moment. Now he switches gears slightly. He's talking about gains and losses. He's saying those things that used to be on the, um, on the balance sheet of his life that were deemed credits, he says, I actually see them differently today. All of these things that I said, this is my resume, and it's powerful, and it's fantastic. I consider it, and he uses the word garbage. And by the way, in the original Greek, that's a light translation. He has another word for that. It's beyond trash. He says, I just consider it worthless. He says, rather than knowing Christ is so much different than stockpiling all of these good practices and good deeds so that I can somehow tilt the scale not just feel better about myself, but somehow earn God's favor. Dr. Tim Keller says this in his book, a small little book called Self-Forgetfulness. It's a gem. If you ever want to read a good book by Tim Keller, it's excellent. He says this in his book. He says, the performance doesn't lead to the verdict, but the verdict leads to the performance. This is Christian Faith 101. Can I read that again? The performance, so the way we live our lives doesn't lead to the verdict. In other words, we don't live a certain way, so God says, now you're good enough. I'll accept you. The performance doesn't lead to the verdict, but the verdict leads to the performance. What is the verdict? You and I, because of Christ, are free from our sins. We are pardoned. We are forgiven. Our debts are canceled. We are enlisted and invited into his kingdom. What a beautiful truth for us to celebrate on this New Year's Eve. All right. Let's finish this passage. Would you join me by reading again? We'll keep going. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. Love that passage. So appropriate for the day that we are living through together. So I do have three thoughts for you this morning, and then I'm going to lead you toward a prayer of consecration, and uh, we as well will celebrate communion and do something with these stones before we're done. Okay, so our first thought for consideration is this. There is a kingdom economy that's very different than the kingdom of this world. 
the kingdom economy of gains and losses. Um, You could say that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. When you think about the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of God operates in a very different way. Um, The kingdom of God is not about upward mobility, but about descending into greatness. Uh, Leadership is not about having people under you. It's about serving people. The way of the kingdom is if we want to live, we will give up our life. If we want to flourish, we will order our lives in such a way so that we empower as many other people to flourish as possible. The secret of the kingdom is that it is countercultural. In fact, there is a measure of of, um, reality in the kingdom of God that's counterintuitive. It's actually not the way the world operates. Paul introduces a whole different kingdom accounting. If you were to have read the verses that just preceded what we read earlier today, Paul goes on and says, oh, by the way, I'm a Pharisee. I am a a Hebrew of Hebrews. He speaks Hebrew fluently. He's a scholar. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He goes on and talks about how he had so much zeal. He was persecuting the church. He said, you know what? I had all of these things on my resume. They were propping me up and making me feel good about myself. But he had a revelation in Acts chapter 9 when Jesus confronted him and he saw everything from a whole new perspective. He stepped into the upside-down kingdom of God, and now he says, all of that stuff that I considered to be credits, I now consider them to be debts or debits on the balance sheet of the kingdom of God. There is a whole new approach to life when it comes to thinking about the way the kingdom operates. And Jesus, the reason why Paul could say it is because he was echoing what Jesus taught. Jesus insists that a gain can be a loss, And a loss can be a gain. We're going somewhere with this teaching this morning. So here's Jesus, Mark chapter 8. When I came to follow Jesus seriously in my last year of high school, this was the verse that resonated for me the most. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, here's the upside-down aspect of the kingdom of God, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, guess what happens? They will save it. And then he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It can't be bought. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels the word of the Lord, Mark chapter 8, a very, very powerful teaching of Jesus. Jesus invites us to make the great exchange, our life for his. If we try to save our lives, we will end up losing it. It'll, it'll kind of evaporate through our fingers in little pieces. But Jesus says, choose to come and follow me. Take up your cross. Choose to lay your life down, and guess what happens? You get your life back. But if you demand your rights, if you exist only for your welfare and your well-being, you know what will happen? There will be very big missing pieces in your life. And you will have tried to serve yourself, try to protect yourself, try to promote yourself. And the very thing you tried to do will be the very thing that doesn't happen. When you give your life to God, he gives it back to you. You try to keep it for yourself. 
and we end up losing it. We lose something sacred and special in this world, and we ultimately run the risk of forfeiting our welfare in the life to come. And so this is the way of Jesus. Remember this. This is, could be like a teaching theme for this morning as we celebrate communion. The performance doesn't lead to the verdict, but the verdict leads to the performance. It's in giving that we receive, it's in serving that we lead, and it's in dying that we truly live. And so on this New Year's Eve, we're going to celebrate communion a little bit differently. In the middle of a sermon, who would have thought we would do that? In church life, we have our own way of doing things. Every now and then, mixing up the order of things is good for us. So we're going to mix up the order of things today. You have a cup in your hand, right? And if you're here with us for the very first time, you're not obligated to eat and drink, by the way. What we're about to do is a historic practice. Jesus himself was the one who put himself at the center of the celebration of Passover. He said, this is my body, referring to the loaf of bread, and he broke it, symbolic of his broken body. And then with the cup, he says, this is my blood, a new covenant, a new agreement established through his um, pending death that would soon occur. And so um, this is not a King Street Community Church practice. This is a Christian practice instituted by the Lord Jesus. And so, again, you don't have to eat and drink, but if you are eating and drinking today, here's what you are doing. In the words of Jesus, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, which means that we are announcing to ourselves, to our neighbors, to anyone else who sees us in our eating and drinking, that we believe there is great power and potency in the death of Jesus Christ. And that power is that our life, our very life, has been redeemed. So if you're holding the wafer today, what you're proclaiming to those around you is that you believe that that death was incredibly, the death of the Lord Jesus was incredibly significant. And we know that's not the end of the story, right? He laid his life down only to um, be raised again to new life. A picture of what, it, what it's like for us to be Jesus-following people in this world. We lay our lives down and we get a new, we are new creatures, new creations in Christ and one day we too will die, this body, and we'll be raised up again to new life. This is our hope, and it's our confident hope today. So we usually recite the Apostles' Creed, and um, we're going to stand twice. All right, let's stand one more time, if you're able. We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed, and I don't have my glasses, so you're going to bear with me for one second. Okay, this is what we believe to be true. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, Father, thank you today that we have this beautiful invitation on this last day of this calendar year to remember, and to remember not just the way you've been good to us in our day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month life in this world, but the way you have been incredibly good to us by offering up your son as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, including our own. And so today, Lord, we would be um, negligent to not remember what was done for us 
at the cross. So Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for laying down your life for us. That is where we should have been. Our sins positioned us for that experience, and you took it on yourself. So with high regards for the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you join me by eating the wafer? Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we remember. And biblical remembrance always carries with it a call to action. So our remembering leads us to do something. Our Catholic friends believe the Eucharist, this um, invitation to give thanks, is also an invitation for us to not just say yes to what Jesus did for us, but to join him by laying our lives down in the world as well for the glory of God. So, Father, thank you for the cup that your son Jesus was willing to drink. Even though he said, may this cup be taken from me, not my will, but your will be done, he drank it. And, Lord, we don't know what the cup of a new year may bring for us, but we do choose to identify ourselves with Jesus by taking into ourselves today the symbol, Lord, of this juice. May it be another fresh reminder for us a rekindling of our own spirit, that we would be alive to God and live out your will and your purposes in whatever way you see fit. And so, Lord, in many ways, just as Jesus surrendered by drinking the cup, we choose to surrender as well. So with high regard for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, would you join me by drinking from the cup? Amen? Amen. It's always good to eat and drink together and to proclaim to ourselves and to those around us what we believe to be true, which is what the Apostles' Creed summarizes. All right, so two more thoughts for you this morning. Um, losses are real, and we do well to grieve them. Anybody have any losses in 2023? Anybody thrilled that you can turn the page on 2023 and move forward? Some of us have had such a challenging experience in the year that was that we're just saying, please, Lord, I can't get to 2024 fast enough. And we say that with a sobriety about us because it's deeply painful. There are times when things happen to us that we never, ever imagined or never saw coming. And it took our breath away and not in any positive way at all, but incredibly traumatic and difficult. There can be losses that are small, there can be losses that are mid-sized, and there can be ginormous losses. And our lives are never the same. And so I want to invite you to think about a few different kinds of losses today. This isn't to um, become negative. This is to look back in such a way that will help us to move forward in the healthiest of manner. So here's the first thing that I think all of us could relate to today. We grieve our sin. Did anybody not sin in 2023? By the way, I'm, I'm curious if anybody has, because I want what you're drinking, that's for sure. Um, we grieve our sin. We've all sinned this year in what we did or what we left undone. Um, so this is the human condition, and this is what Jesus says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That is... Um, beatitude is not necessarily about losing a loved one. It's actually about mourning our soul poverty, 
right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's the order. And so when we recognize our soul poverty, we say, I'm bankrupt. I don't have enough. I lack, and I need God's resources. And we become aware of it. We own it. And then we mourn it. He says, when you get to that place, you will be comforted by the God who comes to us. And so whatever sin you've committed, guess what? The grace of God is way bigger than your sin. Don't carry the regrets of yesterday, last week, last month, or last January into 2024. Before you leave today, release it to God. Scripture says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not to be carried any longer. It's appropriate to grieve it and then release it and let it go. So that's the first one. We grieve our sin. We grieve our failures. Some of our failures are not sin. They're just failures. Remember Peter? Peter says to Jesus, I will never, ever deny you. Peter thought he had what it took to stand in the face of great adversity and trial. We know the story, right? Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about when he was confronted. Do you know Jesus or you're one of his disciples? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And sure enough, he did. And he went outside and he wept bitterly, is what the text tells us. He grieved it. He disowned the Lord Jesus. You know, that fits into the category of a disloyal Jesus follower. And he wept over his behavior. The pressure got turned up and he forsake his Lord. He, for, he had forsaken his Lord. I don't know what failures look like for you in 2023. Could be in the sin category, could be outside the sin category, but they're just mess-ups, mistakes, shortcomings, whatever it might be along the way. But you have failed in something that you set out to do. And maybe your overconfidence was revealed as well, just like Peter's. But we all have our moments because we're all human. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't have to be in the category of sin. It can just be that we're frail and we fail. And this is what humans do. And we grieve our failures, but we move forward. Thirdly, we grieve our hurts. Anybody been hurt by anybody else in 2023? Unfortunately, the way the humans, all of us humans live our lives is we do tend to step on one another's toes. We're not the greatest dancers. We go out into the dance floor of life and we stumble all over the place and we step on one another's toes and we end up hurting each other. It's, it's the way the humans work in the world. We grieve our hurts. Remember Joseph? He was betrayed by his brothers. They sold him into slavery. And after a number of years have gone by, God was with Joseph. He was with them in the pit. He was with them in the palace. He was with them in the prison. And his brothers come back, and there's this reconciliation moment. And in verse 30 of Genesis 43, it says, Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. And he went into his private room, and he wept there. He grieved the wound from yesteryear. It's appropriate for us to do that, to not get stuck in our grief, but to feel it. And then we grieve our disappointments. Um, a lady named Hannah, she wanted to have a child so badly in uh, 1 Samuel, and she was barren. And uh, the text tells us once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. And Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance to the tabernacle. And Hannah was in deep anguish crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. 
And she made this vow. She says, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged, very disappointed. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. What a great direction for us to take our disappointments and our discouragements to the Lord. And God opened her womb and provided a beautiful, beautiful gift that would be a blessing to the world in Samuel. And then finally, the last one is this. We grieve the loss of those we've loved. And some of you know that. You've lost a loved one. Or maybe there's even been a marriage that has... uh, has failed in 2023. We grieve the loss of those we've loved. Um, Jacob loved Rachel very much. And uh, this is helpful as we head in towards our third teaching point for this morning. So Rachel died. She was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave. Sometimes these stones can serve as memorials. He set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it can be seen there to this day. And then verse 21, then Jacob traveled on. He buried his wife. He loved her dearly. He set up a memorial to honor her memory, and then he moved on with his life. Many times at funerals, I will say that, that it is important for us to memorialize. It's important for us to carry the memories with us. But the one that we are saying goodbye to, or at least bye for now, would want us to move on with our lives. And so for 2023, as painful it may have, as it may have been for some of you saying goodbye to someone that you've loved dearly, we do need to travel on from here because there's more life for us to live. So here's the last thought for today, and I'm going to bring you to a place of, I hope, consecration. Number three, gains are real, and we do well to give thanks to the God who gives them. God is generously predisposed towards you and me today. Can I get a big amen from that? Yes, thank you. From out of the mouths of children comes great wisdom and understanding. God is generously predisposed towards us. You know this, right? Because we recite it at King Street on a weekly basis. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his loving countenance towards you and give you peace. Right? If you were here on Christmas Eve, peace is so much more than just give you a life of freedom from conflict. It's about enough, more than enough. It's about wholeness and well-being. Right? It's about all the things, including um, peace with our enemies. Includes it. It's so much more than just that. God is predisposed to bless people. Um, I say this, we just talked about as a staff team before we, we started our gathering this morning. I believe to my toes that God is looking, relentlessly searching for people to save and rescue. He is not looking for people to punish He's not looking for people to step out of line and give you one of those whack-a-mole moments. That's not who God is. If anybody ever taught you that that's who God is, that is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is looking to bless 
to strongly support those whose hearts are truly his. He's not looking as a fault-finding God. He knows the areas of weakness. He knows our faults, but he comes alongside us and he lifts us and he elevates us and he saves us. In spite of us, he does the saving. So what happens when we catch a revelation of that? We just say, I want to serve that kind of God. I want to learn more about that kind of God. I want to lean in. This is why the son who was off in the far country went home. He didn't know what kind of response he was going to get, but he went home anyway. And he said, just make me like one of your hired servants. And the father would have none of it, right? He was out there squandering all of his wealth, his inheritance on wild living. He was doing all the things that would deem him unclean in the Jewish faith system. And the father says, get me a ring, put it on his finger, put a robe on him. Let's kill the fattened calf. My son who is lost is now found. Who is dead, he's now alive again. They throw a party for the boy. This is a picture of life in the kingdom of God. God is predisposed to bless you. That's why Aaron would speak those words over the people all the time. It's called the Aaronic blessing, the high priestly blessing. He wanted to remind the people all the time and give you peace and give you shalom. It's who God is. And so it's God's, it, God is generously predisposed toward us, and it is God's will and so good for you and I to return thanksgiving to God. When we say thanks, it's good for us. It helps us right-size our lives. So God blesses us. What do we say? Thanks be to God. It's what we do all the time. And when life doesn't go well, can he handle a lament or a complaint? Of course, because we're human, and he understands that. He knows that. Listen, Jesus himself complained on the cross, didn't he? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anybody in the room ever felt God forsaken? You're allowed to say, God, why are you so far from me? Why do you feel like you are a million miles away from me? He understands you're thinking it and feeling it anyway, so you might as well tell him, because as we tell him, something releases inside of us. It's a beautiful thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you live a life of gratitude in 2024, you are in the Lord's will. We wonder what's coming next, what's around the corner. God says, you'll find out when you get to the other side of the corner. And we will be returning thanks as we make our way towards the corner and turn the corner. And he will be there with us. And we can do his will. So I don't know what's coming next year. I didn't know what was coming in 2023 when we were here this time last year. Um, some surprises along the way, reasons to grieve, reasons to give thanks, all of it's legitimate. But I do know this, Isaiah 43, this is a word for today. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Look back, take inventory, pay attention, grieve perhaps, but don't dwell on the past. Don't get stuck there. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. You're going to round the corner and discover new things. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear all that's coming next? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love that passage, Isaiah 43. So you were given a small stone today. Here's what I want you to do. Why don't you just sort of hold it in your hand with me? You can do two things today. We're going to change pace here in just a moment, but you can do two things today. Perhaps the stone today, remember, we're looking back in order to move forward. We're remembering, 
right, which leads to rejoicing and repenting and releasing, and then we're going to renew our commitment to the one true God in a few moments. Um, but we look back and remember, and maybe what you'll do, I have, I have three things in my pocket already. I don't know if I have room for a fourth. <laughs> I have a picture of my dog, Chase, that, that died. Uh, I keep him with me. I've got a great dog named Finley that you're going to meet soon enough. Um, but I, I take Chase with me, too. I have my Star of David that I, I bought when I was in Israel, especially during these days. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I have my uh, puzzle piece from Christmas Eve. Do you still have your puzzle piece with you? Yeah, I want to bring my peace to the world, right? Those are my, my three things. Um, I don't think I have room for a fourth, so I'm going to do something different with mine. But you might want to carry this with you. And because as you remember, you're giving thanks to God, and there are some things you want to take with you into the year ahead. It's one specific thing, and you say, that's what this means for me. And you give thanks to God for it, and you say, I need to take this with me. I can't afford to leave that behind, okay? That's one approach. So you will leave here today with the stone, and it'll find a place on your dresser. Maybe it'll be in your pocket. I don't know where you'll put it, but it'll be a stone of remembrance for you, right? A little bit like Jacob with his wife, Rachel. Build a memorial that will remind you of the goodness of God. Don't want to leave that behind. Others of you are going to have to leave something behind today. And before we're done, you can bring it up and put it up here on this black carpeted stage and just leave it there. And for you, it's going to remind you of a wound, some form of um, disappointment or failure. Uh, It might be something in the past that you just say, I am going to symbolically take this to the altar, to the front of this church space, and I'm going to put it there, and it's going to be another movement of my heart to put something down that I don't want to take with me into the year ahead. I want to weaken it in some way. So walking from my seat to the front of this room will be another layer of choosing to weaken. Maybe it's a pattern of sin or behavior in some way that you say, I want to be different in 2024, and I'm going to put a down payment. I don't want to carry that with me into the year ahead. It's too heavy. It's like a pebble in your shoe. I won't walk well for very long if this is in my shoe. And so we're going to put it down and not take it with us. So you get to choose how you're going to handle the stone of remembrance today. And... um, I was doing my contemplative prayer this morning, and this came to me, and I absolutely love it. I want to share it with you. Two things, actually. So this is a little story. It's very brief, okay? I said to the man who stood at the gate, have you heard this? I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year ahead, give me a light so that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That will be to you better than light and safer than the known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God, I walked gladly into the night and he led me towards the hills and the breaking of a brand new day. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Instead of saying, I want certainty for the uncertainty, he says, just go find the hand of God and put your hand in his and let him lead you into that which is unknown. That will be the safest place for you to be. Isn't that a good word? I love that a lot today. Lots came up for me today when I was reading that. And then this will be our prayer for the end of today. And um, 
I'd be happy to share it with you. Maybe we'll put it on our um, Instagram feed or something later, but John Wesley penned this a number of years ago. It's called a covenant prayer. He says, I am no longer my own, and maybe you'll pray this with me in just a moment. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to do your will and rank me with whom you choose. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. That's a dangerous prayer, by the way. Very dangerous. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. You ready to pray that one? Isn't that what we recited earlier in Philippians chapter 3? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I pray that prayer now and then the suffering comes. I can't complain to God and say, why me, Lord? If I want to be like Jesus and Jesus suffered, should you and I not expect some suffering to come at some point along the way? Our expectations may not be met. There might be grave disappointments, hurts, wounds, separations, losses. Oh, Lord. I thought this was powerful, too. When he says here, put me to doing, put me to suffering, let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. When you're done with me, Lord, you're done with me. That's a serious, serious prayer there. Whew. Lord, I, uh, I hesitate to pray that prayer, to be honest, Lord, with you before my friends, because I want things to be easy for me. I want a comfortable life. I want one without pain, without suffering, without disappointment. I want, actually, an unreal life. I want to live in the realm of fantasy. And you wanting to introduce me to reality. And you are ultimate reality. And I cannot look for you without some measure of discomfort. It's the way of the human person. So, Lord, as the Apostle Paul penned, I want to know Christ. May that be our prayer in 2024. Rather than give me an easy life, I want to know Christ. Lord, these are very hard words for us to say because we are conflicted. It feels so rich to think about it and to recite it, and it feels so painful to have to live it. Oh, Lord, would you help us with the pain that's real? Some of us, Lord, are conflicted. Many of us are conflicted internally. We want to lean in, but we hesitate. We want to take your hand, but we're not sure where you'll take us. We want to manage our own lives because sometimes we think we know better than you do. And on the eve of a brand new year, Father, we choose to repent and to rejoice and to release to you and then now to renew our covenant love to you. Father, may you help us to walk closely with you always, to love you wholeheartedly, to be people of the cross, to be people who identify with Jesus in the power of the resurrection. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that and the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings. Oh, Lord, help us with that too. And we pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.